Throw mama from the train A kiss, a kiss Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. JR. Today we're here to talk about my pick, our first comedy in what? Since the first no, since no, the first no. episode, I don't think we've had that many though. I mean, if you take oh, like, like Monty Python, yeah, uh, like Life episode one hundred for the you know, episode one hundred, episode fifty, was it? We're not to episode one hundred yet. <laughs> episode eighty one of the Filmiac Podcast, Kevin. <laughs> Sorry, Jr.'s drunkenness is just rubbing off yeah. on me. This and is a even... Doctor Pepper. <laughs> And this, is, and this is water. Tim, so, Tim Cal. Yeah, okay, so I'm well, doing pretty uh, bad here. Yeah, so we're here to talk about my pick, which is Throw Mama from the Train from 1988, I think. Seven? 87, Eight? sure, whatever. Seven. Uh, directed by Danny DeVito, starring Danny DeVito, Billy Crystal, and other people. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Doing good. Just doing, doing good. Doing good. Doing great. All right. Just been lounging, doing nothing, waiting on that stimulus check still. You guys waiting still? I got mine the oh. other day. Unbelievable! Did you, did Unbelievable! You, did you do direct deposit when you did your last? Uh, yeah, of course. But I didn't get a deposit, so like I so oh, so okay. it didn't. So then, but that doesn't make any sense either because I looked at my tax return and they have all my banking information, all my tax return. But they still asked me to put it in again, so I had to put it in again. And when I did okay, that, they were okay. like. Oh, we'll let you know as soon as we have a date for your deposit. And they still haven't had a date for my deposit. So. Well, I, I believe... Infuriating. I believe the, like, paper checks are supposed to start coming out today. I don't want a paper check. I want my money now. I get I get it. <laughs> I'm I not a it. poor person. I don't want a paper check. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, also you'll have to wait for all the dead people to get theirs. Oh, right. Of course, yeah. And then right. for that to that whole shit storm to start. <laughs> Brutal. This is fun. Uh, there's, yeah. no, there's no new... Uh, I mean, there are new trailers, but they're shit. And uh, there's a Snowpiercer television program that's coming on TNT that looks awful. I'll probably watch it. I'm sure you will. <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, it's got the guy... I almost I almost wrote a blog entry about it, but then I was like, it's on TNT. Like, nobody's going to watch this thing. And uh, it was... Uh, the, lead, the lead in it is from Hamilton, apparently. Yeah. yeah. He's awful in this trailer. Like, he's embarrassingly bad delivering his lines. Like, who, who is this guy? He's horrible. He's good. What? He's good? No, I, I'm not saying he's good in the trailer. I'm Have you seen the trailer? No, it's saying in, he's good. It's embarrassing. In general, okay. Well, watch. No, it's not. But it's not. Well, it's not the the. You know who I'm talking about, then? Yeah, David yeah. Diggs. Yeah, David Diggs. There you yeah. go. How do you guys know who this is? I know uh, him from Tour de Pharmacy. Group. The uh, that Andy Samberg. Uh, oh, okay. S- um, uh, mockumentary about the Tour de France. <laughs> Jr. I'm assuming you've seen Hamilton on Broadway. I have not. <laughs> I, no, but I. I am aware of Hamilton, and I was aware of his uh, hip hop group Clipping, whom oh, I like. Okay, see, I didn't. I was unaware he was a hip hop artist. And, and he he wrote uh, a movie that movie that came out last year, Blind Spotting. Oh, is he in that? Takes place in Oakland. Yeah, he's the star of that. Oh, okay. okay, I know him. Then I saw him in that trailer. He didn't seem bad in that trailer. He's horrible in the trailer for Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah, I thought it's, it was, it's I probably. Th- uh, I don't know how did how did Jennifer Connelly look? She's hot as all get out still, yeah. even after what is she like fifty three or something? She's beautiful. I love I love her so much. She's gorgeous. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not I'm not huge on her as an actress, but she's very good looking. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Bettany's a lucky man. Or he was? Is he Dark still City? I Dark City's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
she's not. I mean, she's not the reason that movie's great, in my opinion. But she's she's really good in Requiem for a Dream. She's one of the better things about that movie. Yeah, but that movie's you know he's got his yeah. own issues. Anyway, let's just jump right into what we watched because uh, I got tons of shit that I have to wean down to uh, something manageable. So go then go. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I I watched Local Stigmatic. Directed by somebody, it doesn't really matter. It's a TV thing. It uh, it's from 1990. It stars uh, Al Pacino and some other character actor who you've seen his face, like he's in all kinds of shit, but you don't know him. You know, like I forget his name's Paul Guilfoyle. You guys know this guy? Paul. The name sounds familiar for sure. You'll know if you saw him. They're both American actors, though. I mean, obviously Pacino's an American actor, but they're playing in this. This is a based on a play. And it's a mm. British play, like a very, very British play, and they both have British accents. So you know with a British accent? Oh yeah. <laughs> it is as wild <laughs> you can't even imagine how bizarre it sounds. It's not and like wow. I think the movie I mean it's only uh fifty six minutes long and it I think it gets unfairly derided based on his accent and i think people are reading his accent as his performance like if you're Mm. doing that it's bad right like he's obviously he's not he's not doing a good accent he's he's al pacino right but he's his performance is quite good like Mm. it's he it's very controlled and um over the top when it needs to be understated when it needs to be he's he's good in it and paul guilfoy is good in too and his accent's arguably worse than pacino's but um but they're both quite good in the film Mm. and uh yeah it's on youtube i don't know check it out if you got the time okay it's about these two guys who are just uh i don't know like um nihilistic sociopaths and they just kind of go around talking to each other about their lives and all the shit that's gone wrong for them and they're jealous of this local guy who's who's uh, an actor and they end up confronting him about it but it's 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 not bad Hmm. um and i'll just burn through a couple of these real quick i watched uh a werewolf uh, trifecta, American Werewolf in London, Wolf, and the Wolfman. Mm. Uh, the Wolfman being the 2010 Joe Johnston Wolfman. Mm. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know why I did this. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Uh, I, I, I'm really glad I watched American Werewolf in London first mm, because it's, yeah. you know, definitely the cream of the crop as far as these three movies are concerned. And uh, if I had watched, say, The Wolfman first, I'm not sure I would have continued on a wolf uh, mm. trajectory. But um, American Werewolf in London is amazing. It's uh, so bloody. <laughs> yes. And I love Griffin Dunn in it. Oh, God. He's, he's amazing. He's great. He's not in it enough. On it. When he died, I was really pissed off. And I remember, right. like, oh, isn't he, doesn't he like, come back as a ghost or something? He does. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. All right, that's good. And um, he's, like, decaying as oh, the movie yeah. goes I on. Love, I love his final form when he's, like, animatronic because he's, yeah. he's got, like, you know, his face is <laughs> melted away, essentially. Yeah. I like the central guy in it, too. I forget his name, but he's uh, he's quite good in it. Mm. And uh, I love my favorite scene, I think, is when he tries to get arrested. Oh, yeah. when he says uh, the queen is she's uh, what he says, like the queen is uh, insane or something. And the uh, Prince Charles is a fag. Oh, no. <laughs> That's how he starts running around trying to get arrested. It's amazing. It's yeah. just a great scene. And John Landis. I don't, I was just like I watched this movie. I was like, man, I got to watch more John Landis movies. And then I looked up his filmography and I was like, no, I don't need to watch any more John Landis movies. I mean, <laughs> these aren't uh, these aren't things that are similar to this at all he's done like nothing i didn't realize he was 
I, I guess I associated him with comedy yeah. primarily, and then I watched this and I was like, oh, maybe he like I know he did Twilight Zone, right? And he did this, and I was like, well, maybe he like got into horror for a minute, but he really didn't. It's, it's just these two movies, and then he's just nothing but comedy. Yeah, I mean, like he like I th- like his very first movie, Schlock, a monster comedy, is kind of a horror spoof. Yeah, it's got like a killer gorilla in it. Did, did he um, do um, Kentucky Fried Movie also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, like I haven't seen Blues Brothers or anything. Like I haven't seen a lot. I've seen uh, I, I, I've always liked Animal House a lot. But again, these are all you know, just like broad comedies. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was really, I just really enjoyed. I liked all the makeup effects and the the uh, the, the incredible stunt sequence at the end with all the yeah. traffic accidents and everything. Yeah, I think I think the one other horror thing he did, like I think it was HBO, they had like an anthology series for a while where like a bunch of horror directors were doing stuff, mm-hmm. and like I haven't seen John Landis's one, but I've seen John Carpenter's one where it's like, um, what's his face from Walking Dead and uh, Boondock Saints. Norman Reedus? Yeah, Norman Reedus is, um, he's like this, um, he works at an old-timey movie theater, and someone wants him to track down this movie, uh, Le Fin Absolute du Monde, the absolute end of the world, and, um, you know, like, weird, gory stuff ensues as he's trying to find this movie, and apparently the movie is, like, is, like, real quote unquote like real footage of an angel being murdered like an actual from heaven <laughs> angel being murdered and like the movie like causes riots and you know oh, blah, blah 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 it wasn't good yeah um <laughs> doesn't sound good yeah so i don't know that john landis's i mean it might it might be better i but, remember i yeah i mean i just haven't yeah I, like i say i just don't know how interested i am to get into any yeah, more of yeah. his stuff but it led me right on to wolf which is directed by mike nichols and uh, stars Jack Nicholson and is okay. I don't have a lot to say about it. James Spader is absolutely ridiculous in this movie when he becomes the wolf uh, late in the film. I hope that's not a spoiler. Uh, Jack Nicholson is also a werewolf in it. Ah. And there's a werewolf battle at the end that is pretty cheesy. Uh, mm. But, you know, it's got um, Bo Welch as the production designer and he... Is uh, Tim Burton's guy. Oh, yeah. It yeah. shows in some of the scenes. Hmm. And then uh, I watched The Wolfman, which I probably have less to say than either of the other two, but except for that uh, Benicio del Toro, <laughs> I'll tell you, what is he doing in this movie? He's horribly miscast as the American uh, son of Anthony Hopkins, who <laughs> has a Puerto Rican accent, and uh, <laughs> they don't ever explain it. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, really kind of lame i don't know for lack of a better word but it's weird because emily blunt is in this also so they're both in this and then they're in sicario five years later together oh yeah i didn't realize they were in in this together i can't believe i can't believe this was only 10 years ago yeah (laughs) this this feels like a a box office bomb from decades ago Mm. yeah i know i remember when it came out i was like i have no i was i remember being shocked because i was like it's rated r i know it's going to be really violent but i have no interest in seeing this and then, you know, because of all the werewolf movies, I'm like, oh, I should give it a shot. And uh, it was the worst of the bunch. Mm. It's not, like, awful, no, no. awful. It's just not very good, you know. Mm. <clears throat> but uh, I need to watch the original Wolfman, so that's next up on the list. Oh, cool. I remember enjoying that. I'm sure it'll be better than some of these other ones. <laughs> anyway, JR? Yeah, all right. So uh, to prepare for Throw Mama from the Train... 
I decided to catch up with some uh, some other '80s comedies. I watched uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. Cannot believe it took me until 2020 to see this for the first time. I didn't know you hadn't uh, seen that. I would have probably, I I honestly probably that would have been my pick before Throw On from the Train if I realized <laughs> you hadn't seen it. But I is enjoyable. Steve Martin is fine. John Candy is great. Um, and I know it's like far from the first odd couple comedy, but it feels very much like this sort of like pinnacle of eighties odd couple comedy mm. or that genre. But you know, I, I have no data to back that up. It just feels like it felt like it while watching. Um, but I wish it's comedy beats were kind of like more consistently great. The shtick sort of felt tired after an hour and, uh, the Hughesian emotional core shoved into my mouth in the last 10 minutes was a little too much. But um, it's, I thought uh, it was effectively manipulative. It, it, it makes me cry every time. Oh damn! <laughs> well, you didn't see it for the first time as a very cynical. That's true. Second. That's true. I saw it for the first time as a as a child, so it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, three out of five. Same year as Throw Mama from the Train. Oh. A much bigger, more successful film than Throw Mama from the Train, though. Indeed. I, I according to the IMDb trivia. Throw Mama from the Train was like the 14th most successful movie of that year. So Yeah, oh, but right, I think, right. uh, but I mean, Pretty. wasn't, I'm playing Strange Automobiles, got to be like number one, right? I mean, like, that was a huge. Oh, it, was, it was definitely more successful. Or, at yeah. least in the top I just, 10. I yeah. just, don't, I don't want people to think Throw Mama from the Train was some kind of flop. No, no. Because no. it was a <clears throat> successful movie. Anyway, I watched uh, A Fish Called Wanda also. I hadn't mm. seen that since I was a teenager and remembered nothing about it uh, from 1988. Uh, Kevin Klein is just is brilliant. I was uh, totally in love with everything he was doing. He was a perfect, stupid American, uh, perfect, stupid, violent American. It's uh, I don't know. it's the kind of dark where every character is an asshole comedy. Mm. You know that kind of thing. Sort you know. Well, never mind. I'm gonna, I'll try not to reference the wrong front of the train anymore. Uh, <laughs> but it maintains like a very clever plot the whole time uh, while doling out the jokes and. Jamie Lee Curtis is also great, and so is John Cleese. And mm. the Michael Palin stuff is very, very silly, but funny. It's it's not as funny as the rest, but it's it's funny. I just had a great idea for a podcast that is just a slight tweak of our current current formula, mm-hmm. which is that you have to. So we pick the movie, right? It's like they're on the train, and then every movie that you watch leading up to that episode has to have some reference to that movie in it. Like it has to be a Billy Crystal movie or Danny DeVito movie, or it has to have, you know, uh, uh, it has to come out in the same year or it has to be a, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Everything has to relate somehow. And then somebody will watch like Die Hard or not that well that Die Hard came out in the same year, I guess, but, but like somebody will watch, you know, some movie that has that seemingly has nothing to do with it and they'll have to argue their way through. No, no, no. It's got this guy and he was in that one. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. (laughs) Trying to trying to work through uh, Celine Sciamma's girlhood right now, <laughs> and I'm I'm not coming up with a connection. Well, I don't know if it's anyway. still there, but I think the I think it was the University of Virginia had like an online database w- that was actually called like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like you could oh, type yeah. in an actor's name, and like it would give you like the breakdown of. Um, I know. used to play with that the sort a, a version of that game with my dad <clears throat> and my wife actually, but started with my dad and. uh he would he would throw me like the like the most bizarre ones and I would be able to connect them and he'd be all upset about it. Like he gave me, I remember one he gave me was Chris Farley and John Wayne. Oh right, and I was able to connect them and he he thought that would never happen, you know. But it's was not, it you Brian know. Dennehy? 
How'd you connect? That? I actually don't. I mean, I have no idea now. I don't remember at all now. <laughs> I imagine I, I mean, with my limited knowledge of classics, I probably went through like, I don't even know, man. I mean, I must've went through like, I mean, Robert Duvall's in one of his movies, right? Or, or Dennis Hopper or somebody. I probably went through like one of those guys and tried to get more modern. I would say way. Hopper, but Duvall's believable. Something like that. I don't know. But anyways, uh, I mean, it's been so long ago now I could do it if I sat down and had time, but right. Yeah. All right. So a fish called Wanda is four and a half out of five and it's on HBO <laughs> go right now. That is a high rating for JR. I fucking loved it. I, like, I've never seen it. I meant to. I meant to rewatch it so we could talk. So we could talk about it more. And like, I'm 100 percent sure that I would give it five stars. Yeah. Because I mean, like, like he, like you said, like the, especially like when you get Kevin Klein and Michael Palin together in the same scene, it is like because he's just Kevin Klein is just fucking with Palin the entire time because uh, Palin's character has a stutter, mm. and one of the parts of the movie is like. Michael Palin is trying to silence this old woman because she knows too much. And Kevin Klein like, is the old lady going to have an accident? Ken? <laughs> and, like, and so he like finally pisses him off so much he walks away. I love watching your ass when you walk. Look at that. Isn't it beautiful? But stay away from him. He's mine. <laughs> I guess I need to check it, it out. It is beautiful stuff. It's been yeah, a while. Because I'm not doing it justice. But My, Rustin used to talk about it all the time oh, when we were okay. kids. <laughs> But uh, I never, I've never actually watched it. Ah, all right, you're up, Kevin. Okay, so I rewatched Gladiator, and I wasn't expecting a whole lot, but I thought I, I guess I was expecting a little more than this. I really liked Oliver Reed in this movie. I thought he was the best part of the movie. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix turns in a pretty good performance, but it's obvious that he's not where he is now as an actor. Mm. Um, don't really like Connie Nielsen. Haven't really like in anything I've seen her in. I what think. about Jaiman Hensu? He's all right. I mean, he's kind. Con- you know, he's there. Uh, he's yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I w- <laughs> he's the African guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say his part like has like well Russell Crowe is he not good? He won the Oscar. Eh, he's all right. I mean. I remember if I was to go on my memory right now, he's 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 okay in it, mm. and he's the best performance. <laughs> but, he won. He yeah. won for Gladiator. Oh yeah, he got three nominations wow. in a row, and yeah. Gladiator was the win. God damn! It was that was his was not his first one. No, his second. No, was after um, Insider, Insider was, right? Yeah. Oh, ninety nine. And then after that, he, he was nominated for Beautiful Mind. Oh Jesus. yeah, and then he hasn't been nominated since because he's gained a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the like the last like thing I really enjoyed him in was The Nice Guys, which I want to watch. Yeah, he's alright in that. I mean, he's, he's not a bad actor. He's just yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I find him I find his personality disagreeable. But yeah, let's all watch the uh, true story of the Kelly Gang and find out how he is I, oh, right. fat with a beard. I did watch that. Oh, seriously? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we'll hear about it in a minute. I watched it like two nights ago. I rated it. You didn't see that? <laughs> anyway. I told you, I'm really into my own shit. I know. No right, kidding. Right, 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 All right. right. Well, uh, Gladiator then. <laughs> yeah, 2.75. Whew, that's low. I mean, it's... Gladiator's the first DVD. Long. The first DVD my dad bought with the DVD player was oh, Gladiator. Okay. He loved it. On Amazon Prime, could... there's, a, uh, there's a 4K extended cut of Gladiator. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, it's on Amazon. I don't think it's Prime. Oh, okay. But. Not interested. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I checked out the Blu-ray from the library before all, all the stuff went down. Because, um, like... <laughs> Part of me wants to like go go back and watch like the like I've I think I've seen like three three fourths of Ridley Scott's filmography, but like it's been forever. So I'm like, part of me is like, yeah, I'll I'll watch them again and see see how they are. But then another part of me is like, what if they all suck? There's like yeah. he's one of those I'll directors though that I'll has a a um. Oh, I don't even know if this is accurate, but he's got he's always been a commercial hollywood filmmaker but mm. he's got a definite like period of blockbusters right i mean like the gladiator and black hawk down and uh, oh yeah yeah even like kingdom of heaven and shit like that i mean it's all yeah in there, right i mean it's uh i would say you can you could skip that <laughs> robin hood for instance you know you could, you could skip these movies well that's there. the thing like as you start as you start getting into it you start realizing like oh yeah gladiator kingdom of heaven Body of Lies. Oh yeah, Body uh, of Lies. Yeah, what, uh, that was boring as fuck. Yeah, what, it was a, a good year. I never saw like, that. Yep. Some kind of romantic comedy with yeah, Russell Crowe. I heard about it. I never saw it. It's um, don't don't yeah, do it. And, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, and then you start getting in later with like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. And I like uh, Alien Covenant. Might be in the minority there. I, I mean, I gave I gave it I gave it's it a, okay. I gave it a three out of five. It's better um, than Prometheus. That's it's for better sure. than Prometheus. Yep. Um. But then, like, what else? What was the counselor? counselor? Counselor is awful. It's an abomination. I love counselor. No, yeah, you're it, so wrong. Was it, was it Exodus that he? I did? really need to rewatch it though. Yeah, he Exodus, did do Exodus. Gods and which, Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, Exodus feels like a like Tarsem directed it. Or you know something. what's a, you know what, what's one that that is completely forgotten now that came out very recently was uh, All the Money in the World. But you but you said it sucked. It's terrible. But it I'm just saying it's, it's interesting that. No, but like it's just completely off the map immediately. Like, well, it came out like year before last or something. I mean, like, yeah, that's true. I mean, it was such a big deal when it came out because of all the reshoots and space. Yeah, and it, it got it got cursed by Spacey, right? Yeah, and being boring as fuck. I was reading actually about um. There's a film that Spacey had, it was in the can uh, that he played. He, it's called Gore, and he plays Gore Vidal. It's a biopic. Uh huh. And it's uh, and like there's a lot of actors in it, and it's just like it'll never get released. I think HBO owns it or something, and they'll never oh, release right. it now because of what happened. It's like what a shame. I don't know. I'm sure it's available online somewhere. It's not. It isn't. <laughs> Believe me, I would know. Okay. John put the Russians on it. I downloaded. I downloaded Woody Allen's movie <laughs> that uh, that didn't get U.S. distribution because I want to watch it. So right, I've, I've got that one as well. Uh, and his new one is coming out. Apparently, it's got distribution in Spain, so they're uh, able to shoot still, and he's still making movies. He's not going to show them here ever again. Nice. That'll happen to Polanski too. I think it has happened to Polanski. Officer and a Spy didn't get distribution either. Oh right. No, and it won't. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, that is available online if you look for it. Is it? Because I looked yeah. for it and I did not find it. I'll I'll snag it and I appreciate get it for that. you. Thank you. <clears throat> um, okay, well I uh, I watched uh, Booksmart, um, directed <laughs> oh. by Olivia Wilde, uh, who is, you know, just a just a beautiful young lady, and uh, wonderful in Tron. Resurrection or whatever it's called, Tron yeah, Zero Legacy Legacy, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. Legacy. That's there you go. Which I've been meaning to rewatch. Uh, but um, 
you know, as a director, I'd say she's uh, competent as much as, say, like a Dennis Dugan or, a, <laughs> you know. Who? Or a Tom. Uh, who's a the guy Adam who, Sandler, bro. Who's the guy who did uh, Tom Shadiak? Tom Shadiak, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, that kind of that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> she's on their Whoa. level for sure. Uh, no, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, this movie is just, I it rubbed me the wrong way so bad, and I hated it, and uh, I just can't stand the the quirky, snarky teenager shit. I, it's just been done to death. I'm so over it, and uh, I didn't really like the leads very much. And the one girl, I was telling my buddy about this, uh, Park, actually, who's been on the show. Yeah, he, uh, he didn't like this film either, and I was we, he messaged me about it after he saw my rating, and he was like, "Thank God somebody else doesn't like this movie." And I was like, "I told him that uh, the the one girl, Caitlin Deaver, she's I've been watching her on television since she was like you know eleven. Mm-hmm. Do you watch Last Man Standing? I did for a while. I have I don't watch it now, but I I, I mean I don't, I'm not ashamed. I, I grew up on Home Improvement, so I mean it was a big deal when he came out with another show, you know. Right. right. And I hate that it's so she was right wing, but yeah. She was great as a kid in Justified. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I've never I've watched the first episode of Justified, but I never watched the rest of it. But um, mm. I don't I don't dislike Caitlyn Deaver as an actress. It, I just think it was very strange. She's like uh, sort of uh, sexualized in one of the scenes. She's swimming uh. underwater, and there's like these close up shots of her ass, and I'm just like, this is just weird because she's like a kid to me still, like very much a child. <laughs> and I understand that she's you know like 25 now or whatever, but yeah, it's just it was really strange to see because she doesn't look any different, you know. And uh, the other girl, you know, this uh, kind of, uh, I don't know. Beanie like, Wells. Yeah, female Jonah Hill or something, uh, except it's, without the... It's her. It's it's his sister, yeah. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, it is really. No, it's not. It is really his sister. Beanie Feldstein is Jonah Hill's sister? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's true. I did not know that. That wow. is really wild. That's a... Uh, uh, well, so, then that feels like a, a little bit of a cheap comparison then, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she's, uh, I mean, she's not bad. None of these people are terrible in the movie. They're just, I don't know. The script is really cliched and mm. you know, it reminds me of the James Franco roast when, um, I can't remember his name. The guy from the league on FX, uh, he got, anyway, he got up on it. He got up there and he, he roasted, uh, uh, Seth Rogen. He was talking about Seth Rogen and he said, he goes, you know, Rogen and his writing partner, Evan Goldberg, he goes, what's, he goes, what's the, uh, <laughs> what's what's Evan Goldberg got to look like that you're the face of the operation, Seth. And then, and then he says, uh, he goes, I, I imagine he's just like the sweaty Orthodox Jew eating up a pastrami sandwich. And then he starts describing like him talking to Seth Rogen. He says, Hey, I got an idea, Sethy. How about at first they're friends and then they're not friends. And then at the end they're friends again. <laughs> like, I, it's so true. It's just like screenwriting one Oh one, you know, and it's this movie yeah. follows it to a T. So, was yeah. that uh, was that Nick Kroll? Yes, Nick Kroll. Thank ah. you, thank you. Yes, Nick Kroll. Very <laughs> funny in that roast. Only mm. never again has he been funny. But uh, mm. <laughs> sorry, I'm just kidding with you. I didn't see Kroll show. I don't know. He could be great. I like Kroll show. Um, yeah, but this uh, this just didn't do it for me, man. I uh, really fucking hated it. So you one know, one and a half out of five. You know, the other day I was watching uh, Bert Kreischer's podcast, and he had Jason Biggs on, <sighs> and it was like. Like, I was just thinking about, like, especially, like, our generation mm. coming up with, like, you know, American Pie and, like, those kinds of, like, teen comedy movies that were really, like, 
not necessarily just like you know the dregs and you know the like bottom of the trash heap of the earth but like really just kind of setting us up for like weird expectations of life and like mm-hmm. and with and with movies and how like these things haven't gotten these kinds of movies haven't gotten any better or different they are different in the, in the well i mean they're this this movie is the woke version of those movies right i mean this movie is the it's <laughs> How yeah. the, the fact that this movie, know. this movie, but, but the problem is that a movie like Booksmart believes that it's clever for doing that. In mm. that, it's like, oh, you know, what's going to be interesting here is that we're going to have this scene where Beanie Feldstein's going to confront the loser stoner kids and talk about how how losery they are, and then it's going to turn on its head because they're all going to the same school she was going to, and then she realizes she's wasted her time in high school, mm. and it's like that's not that terribly interesting, you know? It, yeah. it's, it's something that was sort of done already in Twenty One Jump Street when they turned all that around when when you know they go back to high school and Channing Tatum is still trying to be a bully and they're like there's no there are no bullies anymore like everybody's cool with each other right yeah. you know because we're all so hip and understanding and socially conscious it's a little gross and cringy and i just i'm not interested in it i just don't i don't like it <laughs> right <laughs> but you know that's just me so i won't uh, be rewatching this ever again in my mm. life if i'm lucky <laughs> right <laughs> but John, you know, just as Jr. is like number one movie of the year for 2019, I think so. He he loved this shit. It was it was not. <laughs> it was, I I did enjoy. It. I I laughed. I laughed oh, a bit. Oh, I laughed and, at uh, one. I'll tell you. I I actually I don't even think I laughed. I think I did like I think I, I gave a snort or like an exhale laugh at one part. Oh, and it was when uh, they were in the car with the delivery driver and he said uh something about he says this is like a charles manson kind of thing or something <laughs> and i was like that's that's kind of because cl- it's these two girls and you know it's like they're gonna kill him mm. but then the way that turns out is completely ridiculous too i was like i'm nice like this movie sucks mm. <laughs> lots of ridiculous i think uh one of the issues and you know you might not have had this issue but it, it wants to walk that line of like the the woke comedy but also have a lot of the irreverent and sure. sort of like body stuff that that goes yes. in into yeah. these comedies mm-hmm. like the you know like the teacher coming to the party and hooking up with the you know overaged student yeah is like that just like didn't belong in that movie with how the rest of it was going but i understand why they thought to put it i don't you know yeah didn't like that part just but. admit that this movie blows dude you'll feel better I will admit that, you know, after a lot of soul searching after last episode where you accused me of not liking comedies, I was like, maybe I just don't watch any comedies. So I watched I watched one comedy and I laughed. Nice. Nice. It was book smart. <laughs> it's too bad. All right. Well, JR. All right. I um been catching up with some things from twenty fourteen that I missed. Um I watched The Raid Two because I remembered the first raid being, if not good at least cool lots of lots of fighting it was basically just dread but um right. not sci-fi dread <laughs> is the dread is the non uh martial arts version of the raid yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i don't i don't even remember which one came out first Doesn't i think matter. the raid they came, came out, out first uh, i think they came out at the same time that's what i'm that's what i'm telling myself <laughs> um but the, the uh this this fucking sequel is uh two and a half hours long and it's not like the raid because the raid had a very simple premise, and the raid two does not. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I don't know why the main character agreed to go um, 
undercover into prison for three months and how that three months turned out to be five years. I don't know why he was working for the person he was working for when he got out of prison. Um, and I do know that there's only one fight in this movie that is cool. And that happens in the prison. And that's in the first half hour of the movie. Um, and the rest of the two hours are a total waste of time. It's two out of five. Oh, is uh, this directed Darren, by Evans as well or? Yeah. It oh, is. wow. Um, then I watched, uh, this, this morning, actually, I watched Nightcrawler cause I'd never seen that before. Um, and never saw Nightcrawler. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. That's a big movie. It's just a big movie when it came out. I, it was. Surprised. And I don't know what my deal was with that, but, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is like the closest I've ever seen a person look like a literal reptile. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he chases, police alerts to gory crimes around LA. And, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty knowing like combination of shit like taxi driver and, uh, you know, scathing satires like network. And it has very few surprises. And, uh, yeah, yeah Gilroy reveals Joan Hall's sort of sociopathic nature in the very first scene. So his manipulations of the news, pro- new, uh, news producer, Renee Russo, and then especially of bumbling assistant Riz Ahmed are, I don't know, basically telegraphed from the very beginning of the movie. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know Zach Med was going to get shot at the end, but you knew, you knew that Jake Gyllenhaal wasn't going to pay him and was going to get rid of him. Um, every line of dialogue that Gyllenhaal delivers is like, is very, you, know, you guys know this It's very carefully crafted to sound like it has come out of like a business self-help book, which initially I, I really enjoyed. Um, but then it, it was the whole time and I got sick of it. And, uh, yeah, having seen this and uh, Gilroy's more recent art world satire of Velvet Buzzsaw, I'm, uh, I'm thinking that Gilroy's sort of heavy-handed satires are not for me. Did he also, did he also do... Um, was it Nocturnal Animals? That no, no, no. Uh, no. That was Tom Ford. He, oh. Didn't he do uh, the Roman Israel Esquire movie? Did he? I believe so. Look it up. Or is his, I know he has a brother, Tony, right? They, I get them confused. I think that's Tony. I think because Tony is um, is duplicity and Michael Clayton. Right. I think that was. One of them also wrote the Born Legacy. Yeah, that's Tony. Okay. Let's see. Tony has directed. Tony did not direct. Uh, Israel, Roman J, Israel. Dan, Esquire, Dan right? did. I'm right. <laughs> Shit. In your face, JR. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that in here. <laughs> well, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, this is a two and a half, mostly just because um, Jake Gyllenhaal is interesting. Like, it's a it's a pretty <laughs> crazy <clears throat> performance, and he, he goes for it. Yeah, he's good mm. in it. Uh, I liked it. Did I you guys like it? Yeah, I remember liking it. I think I gave it like a four, but I think I remember afterwards kind of feeling like I was a little high on it. I don't think it was as good as I gave it credit for. And I, I, I remember having real serious issues with some of the believability of like him when he goes into that crime scene at that mansion and films it. The fact that they put that on the air seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Like there's yeah. no way they put that on the air. Well, and. You know, that's why they make sure for that scene they have, like, you know, Rene Russo calls the lawyer in. Yeah. Hey, Jane, Jane, come here. <laughs> Show this. And 
you know, they go through that for a minute. Yeah, there's no. But, there's yeah, no I, but it, I don't know. The the movie, you know, it, it has a purpose. It wants to skewer, you know, these ratings hounds. So sure. I, I don't think he really cared about. No, I agree. Uh, the realism in that moment. I also hate the score to it. The whatever explosions in the sky type score that it has. <laughs> that look so. You know, long time Explosion in the Sky fan here. Yeah, sure. seen him multiple times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there that kind of music used in a movie has to be done. It has to be just right. I just think it's, it's over. It's just like it feels like 2005. It's just it's so over, yeah. man. No, I, I think like Friday Night Lights ruined yeah. it for everyone. That's all it is that to me, you know. And it's like, uh, I, I, yeah, I it's just it it's just in gross. That movie. I never, then, I never even saw. I didn't even see the film, but I mean, uh, I hate Peter Berg. So <laughs> <laughs> there used to be a reason to not hate Peter Berg, and it was Friday Night Lights. But now there are so but, many reasons to hate him, and yeah. Mile Twenty Two is the most recent. I am no, 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 Spencer Confidential. Oh, that's right, Netflix Spencer. Oh my recent. god! <laughs> oh, oh, wait, it's my week to pick a movie. Let's do it. That's Spencer Confidential, <laughs> starring Post Malone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not signing myself or anyone else up for Spencer Confidential. Thank you so much. <clears throat> yeah, Kevin. <clears throat> Sorry, okay. I got a frog in my throat here. Mm. Okay. So I've been taking advantage of uh, Disney Plus a little bit. Um, I rewatched Muppet Treasure Island, which I remember seeing it in the. Th- I remember seeing it in the theater when it first came out and loving it back then and I still love it now like um I I just, like Tim Curry is great in it the I like all I like all the comedy bits uh <laughs> I like Rizzo breaking the fourth wall all the time like when uh Billy Bones like ha- has a heart attack and like falls falls down on his bed he died and this is supposed to be a kids movie. And one thing I will say now is like listening to Hans Zimmer's score for this movie. Like it's one of it's one of these like it's, you know, one of these kind of like cliched like pirate slash adventure scores, but I think it's still done very well. Like it's kind of like um like when Weird Al did the song Dare to be Stupid, like he took like everything that was like good and catchy and like just great about Devo and their sound at the time and just put it all into one song. I think that's what Zimmer did with the score from Muppet Treasure Island. He took everything that was good about pirate and adventure scores and he made a great score out of all of those by just having all the good bits. Hmm. He's coming off of his Oscar win for The Lion King here. Oh, nice. So, yeah. big deal at the time. I mean, he's still a big deal, but he's, yeah. uh, you know, just becoming into the, I guess, coming into the consciousness of uh, the, the American public. I think I say now he's probably the most, outside of maybe John Williams, probably the most well-known composer. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, like, I guess the Dark Knight movies kind of put him yeah, more Nolan, on the Nolan map. stuff in general. I mean, yeah, yeah. Inception and... Uh, I know he got a lot of kudos for Dunkirk, which is an amazing score. Yeah, yeah. And uh it'll be interesting to see what he does with uh Dune. Cuz yeah. apparently he passed he passed up a uh, Tenet, Nolan's new movie so that he could do Dune because he was a big fan of the book. I was very excited when 
Blade Runner was being worked on and um, Johan Johansson was doing the score. Mm. And I don't know exactly what happened there. I know before he passed away, Mm. he had been replaced by Zimmer for whatever reason. And I remember I just was not nearly as excited about Zimmer's score in the film. But Right. um, Yeah, I remember when we talked about it, like on the podcast after we all watched it, I remember like – I guess it was Jordan and maybe Jonathan talking about the score, and I'm like, what score? Right, yeah. It was basically a lot of... Yeah. I mean, that's what his, that's what his scores are recently in general. It's just they're like tone, they're like really wall-of-sound tones, right? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Even like Interstellar yeah. uh, and Inception, there's just a lot of like really loud walls of sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's not a criticism necessarily of them. It's just like a style choice. So he's, I, I appreciate the fact that he doesn't, you know, he's not working in the same, he's not like John Williams where John Williams mm. still using the same tools he was using 50 years ago. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer has changed his style considerably. Like if you go listen to like, you know, yeah, the score yeah. to a Tony Scott movie in the eighties that he did. Mm, yeah. It's drastically different. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. Right. Yeah, and just real quick, uh, I also rewatched uh, Ralph Bakshi's Fire and Ice. Oh yeah, um, Frank Frazetta. Yeah, Frank Frazetta. Uh, yeah, not a whole lot to talk about on this one. Honestly, it was pretty boring. Um, I've never actually seen it. Uh, oh, okay. I've seen parts of it on television. Okay, yeah. But I love rotoscope, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just not a there's. There's just not a lot to it. Um. Like uh, there's this there's this evil queen who has powers over ice, and she has a son, and he's bringing he's covering the world with ice, and um, the fire kingdom is trying to prevent this, and hence uh, hence fire and ice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like yeah, it just wasn't just wasn't very interesting, and that's too bad. Yeah. Um, oh well. How'd you give it? Uh, two and a half. That yeah, because I mean, the, like the ani- the animation looks looks really good. Sure. But yeah, I mean, and and it's it's pretty short too. Of course, animation. Yeah. Two <laughs> D animated films always short. Yeah, eighty one minutes. Killer. But it's still like that's an automatic upgrade of a star for me. I don't know. Like this is one of the this is one of the times where like even though it was eighty one minutes. 81 minutes like you feel every one of those 81 minutes like it's like like you're just watching it and going uh, oh you know like bummer. like it's not over yet you know like well, yeah, yeah. yeah like like it was the opposite of like uh the 13th warrior where it's you know hour 41 and it just blows yeah, by races, you in an instant races by yeah or uh you know jfk three hours and five minutes or something just races by though <laughs> It really does, actually. But. I would I would I would have said Wolf of Wall Street is a better example, but they're both uh, very fast-paced films. I don't know. Like, I, I've seen JFK recently, and it's there are some parts. I need to rewatch it, but I remember the first time I saw it, I was just yeah. like, "Good God, this movie moves quick!" And it was when I was younger. I definitely when I was younger and like really on my Oliver Stone kick, like I definitely would have agreed. But now I'm like. Okay, there were like really long parts where they're explaining a lot of stuff that makes no. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you stop and think about it, and like, 
I'll have to rewatch it. Yeah, I mean, I tried to rewatch it on the 50th anniversary of oh. uh, JFK's assassination, but I only got an hour into it, and I had to do something, and I never finished it. Wow! So that was like bad. seven years ago, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I remember distinctly being like, "I'm going to watch this movie today." Yeah, and yeah. Then I just didn't didn't get a chance to finish it. Yeah, it occurred to me the other day. I need to watch Platoon again too because I remember like I think that was the first of his movies that I had seen, and it was like. This is the greatest thing ever. And it took me a while to like Platoon, but I, I love yeah. it now. Um, anyway, uh, JR, The Matrix? Yeah, all Matrix. Right. I well, rewatched The Matrix. I actually rewatched all three of The Matrix films, but uh, mm. we can just focus on the first one since the second two are Trash. really wor- worthless kind of... Uh, the third one is maybe incrementally better than the second one, but not by much. They're mm. terrible. Uh, it really feels like they just kind of like had no idea where to go with this idea after the first one. And the first one's pretty, pretty self-contained. It works pretty well as a standalone movie. So, but, uh, yeah. What, what'd you think JR? Do you love it? I like it. I still, I still like it a lot. Um, I was telling you before we aired my, it's just, it looks really shitty, uh, oh, yeah. because I On think Netflix. of my connection, but, um, it's still, a really fun movie, even if not a ton happens in this movie. It's like a, you know, they find Neo, Neo gets out of the matrix. Neo has training montage. Neo saves Morpheus and figures out he's the one. I don't know if we needed 140 minutes to do that, but yeah, enjoyable. I like the training sequence when they fight in the dojo. It's one of my favorite fights. Actually, both of my favorite fights in the entire franchise are in this movie. That's one of them. My most favorite fight of all time in this franchise. Okay. You know what it is? No. No? Okay. <laughs> it's uh, when uh, Smith reaches through the wall, when they're climbing in the wall in the apartment complex, and he reaches oh, through the wall, yeah, he grabs yeah. Neo, and then Morpheus like does the weird, like he like reaches hands over his chest, and he screams, and he bursts through the wall, and then he fights the agent. I still get chills just at the idea that he's about to fight this agent, and it's like he knows he's you've already got it in your head. You don't fight an agent. Like he's going to die now. Yeah, because yeah. agents kill people, and you don't you don't win fights against them. But he knows he's got to protect the one, you know. And mm. he, it's also interesting in that way because at that point you think that Neo and he thinks he is not the one as well, right? So it's it's a very like it's well constructed narratively. Uh, I mean, the whole film is really, and it's just embarrassing. The second two are so poorly constructed that way; they don't it work is, at it's all. So weird, yeah. And I think that yeah. I, I, I want to say like, well, they're just rushed, but it's like a four year gap between the first film and the second two. I don't understand. Like, take your time some more, I guess. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. And they filmed them at the same time. Yeah. It's just uh, they're just not uh, nearly on the same level at all in any way. Uh, but that, it, it sort of makes sense just because the. The Matrix, you know, does some world building. And leaves some questions. Sure. And, you know, we have, like, some mysteries. Whereas the the second and third, they actually have to, like, go somewhere. I agree. And, and I the mean, first one makes it so definite that uh, that Neo's the one. 
that's no longer a question. How do we then like make a new conflict for him that he won't just right. destroy because he can stop bullets now? Yeah. And you watch the second one and the third one and he's fighting, you know, hundreds of Agent Smiths and you're just asking yourself the whole time, why is he wasting his time doing this? It feels like, can he just like annihilate all these guys or just leave? Which he ends up doing anyways. He just jumps and flies away. It's just like, he's <laughs> Superman. Like, what? Why, why am I worried about this guy anymore? What's mm. he worried about? It just doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, as far as the world building goes, I think that they're, the disservice is that you learn about Zion in the first film from the two people who are actually from Zion. They're not, they weren't born in the matrix or born in the fields or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's, that's an interesting concept and it works because you don't know what Zion looks like. And the way that they describe it is creepy. He's like, it's near the core where it's still warm and all this kind of stuff. It's like, that's interesting. I don't, I I'm interested to see what that city looks like. But then when they actually show it, it's a complete letdown. And I don't think there's any way to make it so it's not a letdown. I think you're right. Like like you like everyone has their own idea of what Zion looks right. like from from hearing about it in the first one. So, yeah. you know, it's like whatever they were going to do, it was never going to be good enough. Totally. And just leave yeah, just leave it alone. I mean, I I don't know what those movies look like, you know, leaving Zion out of it or leaving the real world out of it more. But they've got to be bad. I mean, the, the, what's interesting about the Matrix is the Matrix, being in the Matrix, uh, fucking with physics and stuff like that. That's interesting. Like, being yeah. in the real world, the action sequence in the third one where they're being attacked at Zion is so uh, derivative and boring and just like they're in mech suits and shooting bullets at these stupid drones. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't care at all. I just want to see more kung fu action shit, you know? It's just, I don't know. And even that's getting tired a little bit in the third one, you know? Mm. But, um... I remember, I like, I think it was one of the last couple, last times I watched uh, the second one. Like, there's that part where Dr. Cornell West is, like, yeah. you know, it's com- weird. I didn't know comprehension it. is not yeah. a requisite of cooperation. It's like, y'all, <laughs> spare me this pseudo-bullshit 14, you know, 14-year-old philosophy. Like... Give me a break. That's the level these movies are operating at, though, because they're for yeah. mass consumption. So, and you know, a- as you were talking, I just thought about it. Like, you know, yeah, if if Neo is the one, and like, and then like, you know, towards the end, they start talking about like, you know, you know, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen these, you know, nearly twenty year old movies. Like, they know they expect that eventually there is going to be another Neo. Like, he's the however many that he's they've had. He's the sixth had. one or whatever, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, like, somehow they didn't anticipate one of their own agents be- going rogue and becoming a virus. But, like, it's a supercomputer, so couldn't it just rewrite these codes? Like, like that seems to be a more interesting thing, but it also, like... I mean, I don't know the Wachowskis personally, so I don't know how tech savvy they really are when it comes to coding or actual computer works. Sure. Maybe they should have watched Reboot a little bit more. <laughs> well, I, the, the only the only other real thing I want to say about it is um, I did have one moment that I, I quite liked in the third film where uh, Neo is blinded by the Smith clone in reality the one of the members has become smith in reality which is an interesting idea i guess mm. it's kind of handled poorly maybe but um he's blinded by him 
uh, by an electrical cord or something. And then he says uh, something like, uh, something like, you know, you've lost your sight and you can't see. And then he he looks at him. He says, I can see you. And then it cuts to his vision, and it's like Smith in flames and stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. he hits him and kills him. And I thought that I, it remind it just reminded me of um, the fountain. My one of my favorite the, the 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 ultimate thing in the fountain where the Aztec guy sees him as God. Essentially, he sees mm. him meditating and floating in front of him. I thought, which just is the the shit. It's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me of that. It's just a very it's a good moment. It works really well. But um, yeah. Aside from that, I, uh, failures the second two films. Um, mm. So it's a b- big, big bummer, big step down. And the music is atrocious. Like how it just immediately mm-hmm. goes to techno jungle music every time uh, there's a fight. I, I had forgotten that the first Matrix ends with a uh, a needle drop for uh, oh, yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Wake up! <laughs> that was my my favorite shit in the world when I saw that. I was like, "This yeah. song is amazing." It's what got me into Rage. <laughs> my brother was already listening to Rage a whole bunch, mm-hmm. and then that song. I heard that song. I was like, "Oh my god, I got to hear this band!" And I, I uh, got into them for a little while there, yeah. especially the first two records. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I was I was that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all I have to all say right. about the Matrix. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do a. Uh, I'll do a free uh, free ad for Mubi. Um, Mubi has a film from this uh, oh, like experimental is probably not the right word, but just like non narrative filmmaker uh, Jody Mack on right now. It's called The Grand Bazaar, um, and it is basically just like this moving rhythmic collection of textiles and visual patterns on tapestry like filmed in various places all over the world. Um, she treats this like uh, animation, like the, the tapestries, textiles are constantly moving and they are moving with music. It is a very engrossing thing to watch for just under an hour. Um, and this made me go check out another one of her shorter movies from t- 2013 called Dusty Stacks of Mom, The Poster Project, which does a similar thing with like knickknacks and memorabilia in her, I think parents house. Um, I usually, I don't usually go for non-narrative filmmaking at all. Uh, but something about what Jody Mack is doing totally, totally is working for me. And, you know, even when I do do like experimental films, I they usually have to be under 15 minutes long for me to stay engaged um, what about the that, Grand uh, Okay, I'm gonna have to stop you right there, Jr. What? <laughs> what about uh, you were like raving about who's the guy who films the trains? You love that shit. Yeah, those are like two hour movies, <laughs> or they're long anyway. Some, I mean, some of them are. Most yeah. of them are not. Uh, they're not 15 yeah, minutes. Those are those are an exception. Okay. So I've I've got Jody Mack and I got uh, James Benning. Yes, and those James are Benning. Exceptions. Yes, yes. Okay, um, good. All I right. can't think of another filmmaker that I like in that way. Okay, that's um, fair. Anyway, I was just making sure that you were remembering him because I was like, go, that's, uh, yeah. you're describing James Benning here. <laughs> what I'm saying is go get a seven-day movie movie trial and watch uh, 
watch this and amateur. I actually almost got a trial version a month ago to watch the Cotton Club Encore thing. Mm. But then I was like, I can just download this shit later. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was, you know, I just you didn't do it. Yeah. But uh, especially like uh, the Graham, I've been waiting, been looking for the Graham Bazaar on the internet for over a year. Uh, and it has not been there. So, uh, but it is now because it premiered on movie and now, uh, you know, now you can find it on the internet if you need it. Of course. Mm. But yeah, I, uh, I gave the grand bazaar four and a half and, uh, dusty stacks of mom. I gave a little orange heart cause it's a short, so I didn't rate it. Yeah. You don't rate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kev. Let's see. Okay, so I finally, finally, finally got around to watching Uncut Gems. I just went oh, ahead. And, I just went ahead and bought it you. on. <laughs> I just went ahead and bought the Blu-ray because you know, like it's this. You need to. At this point, the Safdie brothers are those kinds of directors. They're that good. Like I'll just buy it. It doesn't matter. The Blu-ray and, is kind of. Uh, as I recall, I looked at it at Walmart, and it's uh, a little sparse. Eh? Like there's no. Um, special features really i think there's like one special feature on it or something there's no no commentary i'd have to look i'd have to look yeah. again i mean I, that was a bummer for me i would like for there to be a commentary track but, right yeah and they seem like the kind of guys who i mean they've talked so much about the movie at this point oh yeah it's like ridiculous a, how like i watched their uh cri- their criterion closet visit again yeah, it's good. Uh, a little earlier and like they're such fanboys yeah love like, it yeah yeah it's awesome and this <laughs> oh my god like I, I knew this movie was gonna be good. I didn't, exp- I didn't know that it was gonna be this good. I mean, easily. I mean, I can't think of a better Adam Sandler performance. Um, I know some people will say Punch Drunk Love, but yep. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I just like. I think it's uh, it's on par with that. I think they're they're the same level of commitment. Spanglish. I never saw oh, okay. Spanglish. Yeah, so I, 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 I was kidding. kidding. That one's kidding. Or men, women, and children, or yeah. something like that. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like you know, he's he's such a kind of scumbag, but you know, you just love him so much. Sure, and it's the Sandman. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and everybody in everybody in the movie too. Like, uh, it's just so it's so good. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, Eric, like, Eric Bogosian. Eric Bogosian, amazing. So so good, and like uh, his two his two thugs, like they're great. Oh yeah, it's um, real man. That's like that. That's yeah. like good safety reality, you know. They cast these people who you've never fucking seen before, and they're just like you get the feeling that they just maybe they actually owed that guy money, and they hired him to be you know <laughs> the mob guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just just endlessly entertaining and like the uh like when he when he's like at the uh auction place and he's trying to talk to tilda swinton and like the lady's like here i'll just here i'll just hand you over to him no i really don't need you to hey! tilda swinton yeah tilda swinton you didn't recognize her voice as uh anna no okay well yeah she's she's the one who's like the, the jr nodding his head yeah. like he knew that <laughs> of course he did what an asshole <laughs> Are you sure it's told this one, or are you just assuming that because you recognize her voice? Oh, she's is, on the it's she's on, on like the letterbox, letterbox cast. Yeah. Oh, okay, I did not know that. Yeah, maybe maybe I read that before. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, but yeah, and um, oh yeah, uh, cut Jim's and yeah, Judd Hirsch. Yeah, he's good too. 
just take the fucking gym. <laughs> He's getting old. But it, but he was he was really good. I mean, it's it's all really good. I can't say enough good, good things about this movie. How about the score? What do you think of the score? A little the, divisive the, for the, some people. The score was great. The score's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like what I was talking about earlier with uh, like uh, Hans Hans Zimmer, like you know, putting together like all of the good stuff from the it, from the adventure scores, like Good Time and this. Like, I think it's like when you think of like classic like synthesizer based scores, like I think. At least for me, in my head, I have this idea of how they sound, which is not necessarily reflected in the actual scores of those, you know, 70s and 80s movies. Mm -hmm. But then when I listen to, like, stuff like Good Time or this, it's like, this is what I had in mind of, like, the classic synthesizer-based score. It just reminded me of, uh, you know, there's a lot of saxophone in it. It reminded me of of the Lethal Weapon score Mm. a lot. But in a good way. Like I said, I'm not really big, a big fan of Lethal Weapon score <laughs> as it's used in Lethal Weapon, but I feel like it just, I don't know, somehow matches this material better. And it's yeah, got that yeah. weird, you know, uh, the 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 stuff that uh, Lopatin or however the fuck you say his name, Daniel Lopatin, or Lopatin, I don't know. Anyways, he, the way the stuff that he's doing, that he's, uh, you know, glitching shit out and making things sound uh, just a little bit off and weird, and the, mm. some of the rhythmic structures are really strange. I just really appreciated it. I yeah, thought it was yeah. really good. Like, even a step above, maybe, his score for Good Time, which yeah. I love as well. But, uh, yeah, cool. But, yeah, and did not expect the ending. Like, that was... One, Great ending. Yeah. It was one of the... It's one of the few moments where, like, like... My jaw actually dropped. I was like, beautifully wrapped up. Yeah, like perfect. Yeah. Anybody who doesn't give this a six out of five is fired from this podcast. Jr. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding with you. You're just doing that because you don't want to watch Spencer Confidential. <laughs> that is true. I would be firing offense. Uh, <laughs> so you did give this a six out of five. Kevin. Oh yeah, yeah. You dropped one of your sixes for the year. You get two. <laughs> well, well, technically, it's not going to be as one of these shippers so. no, You watched it this year. Oh. You're done. <laughs> no, you're not done, but you, <laughs> you got one left. That's okay. I'm just kidding around. I don't care how many. I mean, use ten of them. I don't give a fuck. Well, I mean, as far as like 2020 movies are concerned, sure. Well, I mean, there there won't be any more 2020 movies, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> everything's canceled. You know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, like honestly. The whole, I mean, unless things get back to normal, like, relatively soon, mm. I, I'm totally with it. Just push everything to 2021, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, give why a fuck. Not? Like, and honestly, the whole, not to get on a tangent here, but, like, the theaters, you know, the uh, how uh, I think it was um, Cinemark or somebody saying they're rethinking mm. their, uh, or it might be United Artists, they're rethinking their the, the, the theatrical distribution model and all this shit like that. I'm like, that's good. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Get rid of theaters. That's fine. Like, get rid of mainstream, big, you know, 16 screen theaters. Like, I'm totally fine going back to, like, just repertory theaters only. That'd be great. Like, one or two per town showing, you know, one to have a two screen theater, three screen theater. Not a problem showing, you know, showing whatever the big movie is. So you get those those rubes who want to see the Avengers on a big screen. That's fine. The rest of us can watch it streaming. I, I'm totally good with that. Like, I don't have any problem with this uh, this new way of doing things. You know, I mean, going to the theater is essentially a nightmare. You got people talking. 
during the best scenes in Sicario Day of the Soldado. You got people talking during the amazing parts of the lighthouse. I just want to kill people. And it's just like, it's just not good. You wonder why there are shootings in movie theaters. I'll tell you, if this is not a reason, I mean, I don't, I don't know what is. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just, I would never shoot anybody. I don't have a gun, but uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just infuriating is what it is. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I saw my uh, review for hereditary the other day. And like, I mentioned how like, I'll never watch a horror movie in a theater again. Sure. And so far, I've, I've kept to that. Um, I mean, I did want, I wanted to see Midsummer and Light in the Lighthouse in the theater, but I just didn't, just didn't have a chance. Uh, but yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, um, I, uh, you know, speaking of controversial opinions here, I, I, I watched uh, Louis C.K.'s newest stand-up special, <laughs> the Sincerely Louis C.K. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't know. Am I? Are you like? Are you allowed to like this? I don't. It was funny. Like, I'm sorry. You know, what What are you supposed to do with this kind of thing? I mean, do you just not talk about it? I, I felt weird even putting this on my letterbox. I was like, people are going to judge me because I because yeah. I watched this. You know what I mean? And I well, and I'll, and I'll be perfectly honest because I don't give a fuck. I had to spend money on this. Like, I don't know. I couldn't find it to download. I, it's there now. I've looked since. It's there to download. Hmm. But at the time, I was like, I just want to watch it. I don't have time to go searching a deep dive on Google for this shit. I'll just pay the seven ninety nine and watch this fucking thing, and now I own it and I can watch it whenever I want. So I was like, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, what's the issue here? Am I allowed to like this? I mean, yeah, yes. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot of people who are just yeah. like super down on Louis, and I understand why. I get it, but it's like I, I just don't understand people's uh, inability to separate. An art, an artist from from his art, or to separate like like the same thing with Polanski or Allen or even like Harvey Weinstein. Like we're not allowed to watch early Tarantino movies because Harvey Weinstein produced all those motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Like, are you? I mean, what are we doing here? But, but we're supposed to never look at any Polanski films again. Yeah, I mean, well, and I would say what Weinstein did. I mean, uh, you know, you can compare and contrast, but he's doing a lot more bad shit than Polanski did. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is, like, the, you know, president of Miramax, like, he's responsible for, like, m- you know, way more than just Tarantino's movies. Yeah. Kevin Smith. <laughs> Tarantino, Kevin Smith, and, like, you know, anything else that Miramax slash Disney had. Yeah, any any Gwyneth Paltrow movie from the 90s. Just about, You're done. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I've talked about it here, but, like, um, Cosby's... Uh, Bill Cosby himself, his that stand-up special. Can't listen to that. Apparently, guy's a rapist. Yeah, you're not allowed to like that. Apparently, it's just it's. I mean, and I and I don't. I, I I'm a hypocrite a little bit. Or I feel hypocritical because some something like that. Like if I if I don't like the art that the artist is making, I'm more attuned to condemn them and judge. Like Cosby, fuck Cosby, right? Yeah, but. Cause I don't like any of Cosby's stuff. I don't care. Like I don't like any of his shit. So it doesn't bother me. But right, whereas right. like, I feel like, I feel like I'm almost defending Polanski where it's like, I'm <laughs> yeah. not trying to defend his personal actions. I just think he's a great filmmaker and I want to watch his fucking movies. Right. Yeah. Which I, I, you know, like I was, you know, come to think of it. I, I wasn't surprised that there wasn't more of a visceral reaction to the fact that like Polanski was in once upon a time in Hollywood. Like everyone mm. wanted to talk about how like, Horrible the depictions of uh, Bruce Lee and um, uh, what's um, 
Polanski's wife. What's Sharon her name? Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. Yeah, everyone wanted to talk about that, but like no one was well, addressing Plansky the fact that doesn't really like, do anything in the film, right? No, I mean, I mean, he drives like he an like asshole, a, he like but uh, he's like one line in the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, but that, yeah, like, yeah. like you know, you know, if if people were paying as much attention as they you know purport to, like they probably would have been like, "Why is Polanski in this movie? Sure. We're not in a Polanski." Rah, 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 rah. Well, um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's time period. You got to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. He was there. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Uh, I would say this about like the difference between Plansky and Allen and any director and any stand-up comedian is that, especially with a stand-up like Louis, where a lot of it is told as like uh, you know anecdotes from his life, you know that he's relating to for jokes. It just feels so much more personal than a movie and that's you know that's not true i think there's a lot of there's probably a lot of Polanski's personality in his movies uh it's just not quite as direct as stand-up comedy and i i have not watched any newer louis stuff just i don't, I don't watch much stand-up comedy in general but uh it, it does it seems like that is a, a harder barrier for many to uh to get past mm. like i will watch I will watch Polanski's new movie. I will eventually watch Alan's new movie. Uh, they have decades of work that are at times brilliant. Sure. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's, a, yeah. It, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, and I mean, uh, you know, not to speak on the, the issues themselves, you know, but I, th- I just think, I mean, at, at the very least, it's interesting to hear, a stand-up comedian is is you know there's something there's an honesty there right there being mm-hmm. and like you say it's personal so when Louis C.K. talks about the the actual issue in his new stand-up special it's interesting like if you can't deny that it's interesting and it's like it's compelling to hear his perspective on it whereas whereas I think a lot of people would just say well fuck his perspective fuck him you know he doesn't deserve a platform etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's just like well I mean I don't you know he 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 just recorded the show like you don't have to watch it you know yeah yeah you don't have to well, buy it you don't have to look at it you don't have to yeah, go to his show a lot of people want to go to his show I mean I don't it's the free market I don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, anyone anyone who doesn't want to watch a new Louis thing is that's fine that's yeah, fine with totally, me yeah, for totally. sure watch it. do whatever but, you want <laughs> you know I I do react against just the like uh, the almost like automatic cancel culture part of it. Like, you know, I, I think in an ideal world where we want like justice, usually you want um, the people to get better. Like, you know, a lot of people are not. Uh, I think a lot of people who are very pro like canceling people are probably also like, no, we shouldn't have the death penalty. But you'd, you'd rather someone die than try to grapple with and uh, fix their issues. Right. Sometimes. Or at least that's what it feels like, it, you know, mm. in the right or the wrong areas of Twitter. It's like they right, want to shut. Yeah. I mean, they want to shut them down from from making a living, which is, I mean, is essentially the same thing as you know, condemning them, sentencing them to to maybe not death, but I mean, close. You know, something yeah. something a lot lesser than what they were. A, so it's, dr- no, I mean, it's sorry, a, sorry if that was like a dramatic. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, there are definitely there are hypocrisies within the mm. liberal community for sure, obviously. But yeah. There's a lot of just misinformation too, and you know people are confused about things, and they don't necessarily have all the facts. And you yeah, know, it's just, yeah, it's just uh, 
what are you gonna do yeah anyways i, I watched like, uh, it it's good if you if you if you want to watch it watch it it's very entertaining very funny i meant to ask you last time what did you think of uh ball hog tom ball hog is okay i mean honestly i feel bad saying this but tom segura i like him and i find his comedy funny mm. but man when i watch this <laughs> this is gonna sound insane when i watch this sincerely louis ck which is you know from this year uh-huh he kind of embarrasses Tom Segura. Like he embarrasses other comedians. Like he's so consistent. Like his act is so much tighter <laughs> mm. and like you could tell he's really thought about his material and he knows exactly how to deliver it and word it. And it's just way more refined than something like Segura's more recent, which I still think Segura is funny, mm. but none of his specials are as funny as this most recent Louis C.K. special, which is, I think, saying something considering how Louis C.K. is, you know, I mean, out of the business for two or three years now, essentially. I mean, I know he's been doing clubs and shit, but it wow. shows he's been refining his shit. I, I mean, he knows. Like, I didn't realize how long it had been since. It's like 2018, I think, when it happened. Right, yeah. Beginning yeah. of 2018. Yeah. But, uh, it doesn't anyway, feel like it was that long ago. It caused me to rewatch couple more of his specials mm-hmm. which are okay but i've just i think i've seen them too much but anyway yeah. jr all right i'll make uh make this one my last one just you know it's coming down to my home stretch um so magnolia okay that can't, that can't be your last one though oh well we're gonna you know we're gonna call okay okay the sorry. Next Go one Go your, sorry. Yours, i apologize Go and ahead. i'll add on to that one um <laughs> but anyway so uh I watched, I watched Magnolia, and uh, you know, short story is I enjoy Magnolia, but not nearly to the level that I used to enjoy Magnolia. Um, Magnolia, I think, is a is just like, it's a fucking mess. I don't mean that in like a totally negative way. There's just so much stuff going on in Magnolia, and sometimes it feels like PTA was just like throwing everything he could at the wall to see what would stick. And uh, some some of it stuck and some of it didn't for me. Um, hold on one second. But uh, yeah, so I I will compliment the the editing because it does not feel like a three hour movie at all. It moves at a at a, just like a great clip, especially when you consider that it takes place over one day, um, and barely anything actually happens. It, there's you know there's a lot of stuff going on in each person's life but it's uh, it's not like it's not action um, but uh, and things I used to love like the Amy Man sing along I found uh, annoying now and uh, what I just what? Love, I still love it <laughs> I still love uh, it I, I found like, it effective. the, the the, the narrated prologue is just like a little, little too precious, and uh, still love Tom Cruise and John C. Reilly. Tom Cruise. I don't love Julianne Moore. Is this your favorite Tom Cruise performance? Uh, what else would even be up there? For me, Born on the Fourth of July is up there. It's between this and Born on the Fourth of July for me. That's a good one. I, I think I'm gonna go Magnolia, but yeah, it's close. Yeah, 
They're good. Also, I I got the sense I I, I never realized before that like, like Melora Walters is sort of presented as the uh, heart of the film. Melora Walters, she's the first person you see in the, like the president's headline. She starts the uh, Amy Man stay along. She is the character we see. It's you know a close up of her as John C. Riley is talking incomprehensibly to her. Um, it's I think she. I don't know. I, I want to say she's the most screen time. I obviously did not break that down, but um, it also felt like her, her trauma is not like given in enough time for what it is. Like she was molested. That's her whole thing in this movie. It's why she hates her dad. That's why she's going through what she's going through. Um, so I just had very mixed feelings about that character, but overall Magnolia was three and a half out of, oh, sorry, I don't think I mentioned it. I uh, I love the score. It is a very, very melodramatic score that goes very well with um, PTAs, like camera movement and cutting between the characters. It's great. That's John Bryan, right? It is. It yeah. is John Bryan. John Bryan's great. What about the Amy Mann songs outside of the sing-along? Oh, I'm a fan of the Amy Man soundtrack component in general. And, and I don't dislike the song Wise Up. I just didn't like the movie stopping. I could, you know, sing a couplet from it. They all have to wise up, though. That's the that's the thing. It's not going to stop until they wise they, up. They, they do. They do. <laughs> um, I, right. I, I can say that I, you know. Thanks for making it on that clear. <laughs> Thank you. This is a uh, this is a five out of five for me, but um, I have one issue with it, but it's a technical issue. I think it's a nitpick, which is the uh, the frog sequence at the end, which I know Kevin's a huge fan of. Uh, <laughs> when the uh, the the CG of the frogs, it's their velocity is way too high. Like it looks like somebody is throwing them from the sky at the ground. They're not falling. You know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> being shot at the ground. And it's like frogs are, they don't weigh that much, you know what I mean? So mm. it's like they wouldn't be falling that hard, it feels like. Uh, it feels like he wanted to get that. Those are pretty, pretty big frogs. Yeah, exactly. It feels like he, it feels like he wanted to get that the, the rain thing, you know, where like rain can feel very, you know, like mm. thick and heavy and yeah, can feel yeah. like it's falling very hard. Uh, but just, I don't know, yeah, there are certain scenes where it's just falling, so like they're just blurs coming, you know, and it just yeah. feels like a little, like a little over the top maybe. But uh, again, that's a nitpick. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman in this is amazing. I love Philip Baker Hall in it. I think he's great. I like uh, Jason Robards in it. I like all of Jason Robards stuff with Philip Seymour Hoffman where they like mime the cigarette smoking. It's amazing. I don't have a problem with Julianne Moore. I understand the the uh, kind of criticism of her acting in it, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I enjoy it. <laughs> love it. You know, and, and I don't. It's not even. She's a very tough character to to sit with. Like she's she's just she she's just heavily medicated, and she is depressed, and like everyone else, she's going through a lot. But her character turns to uh, screaming and shouting. I would like. Sure, that's fair. I mean, it's really just that scene, though, right? It's just that one scene in the pharmacy, right? I mean, I feel like she gets a lot of shit for that scene. No, no, it's I mean, when she gets home from the pharmacy. 
Who does she scream at there? She screams at Philip Schumer Hoffman a little bit? Yeah, when he's on the phone trying to get Frank. Oh, she yeah. makes him hang up and... Oh yeah, she's yeah, she's mad that he's trying to call. Well, I like that though. I, 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 that 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 scene is more justifiable, in my opinion, than the pharmacy scene. Though it makes more sense that she'd be angry at him for doing that than angry at the pharmacist for questioning her medicine. You know, but either either way, I don't have an issue with any of it. I dig the film, yeah. man. And yeah, John C. Riley, I think, is uh, unfairly overlooked yeah. for this performance when he loses his gun. And he's like praying to God to let him find his gun. I was like, that's that gets me right in the right in the heart cockles. <laughs> and I always cry every single time when uh, Tom Cruise confronts his father and he starts crying and he says, don't go away, you bastard. Don't go away. And all that stuff. It's just so fucking good. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, nah, this movie's a masterpiece. You, <laughs> you guys are both <laughs> insane. <laughs> We gotta move on. We gotta move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Let's move on. Let's talk very briefly about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. I'll just say real quick, true history of the Heli- Kelly Gang. My first Justin Kurzel film. Not super interested in exploring the rest of his filmography. I do own Macbeth. I'll have to watch it at some point. This movie's not great. It's not horrible. Uh, the main guy in it, George McKay, who you remember from 1917. He's the main guy in 1917. He's kind of bad in this. He overacts a lot. He's in the best shape I've ever seen anybody in in my life. Mm. And uh, the director seems to know it. He constantly is shooting him with his shirt off. Um, Russell Crowe is in it for like four seconds. He's pretty good. And uh, I like some of the stylistic choices that they make with it. It's a little uh, anachronistic and stylistic at some points, and I appreciate it. But it doesn't go far enough with it. And, uh, yeah, I gave it a three out of five. So enter at your own risk. True history of the Kelly gang. Oh, Nicholas Holt is in this. He's the best performance in the film. He plays the villain, and he is very evil. Nice. Uh, I think he does quite well with it. He holds a gun to a baby's head at one point, so <laughs> it's pretty extreme. <laughs> anyway, let's talk Portrait of a Lady on Fire, directed yes. by Salim Sharma. What did you guys think of Portrait Shyama. of a Lady on Fire, directed by Salim Sharma? I think it's very good. Great criticism, Jr. Yep. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, when they were playing, when they were playing a card game, looked for a second like it was Egyptian rat screw, and I got very excited. <laughs> Love that card game. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought they were playing like War or something because mm. it was just like high card essentially. No, it, mm. it, it was. It definitely was not Egyptian rat screw. It just looked like it at first. I see. Well, um, I mean, I I've, I enjoyed the film a lot. Uh, maybe a little bit more than I thought I would even. Uh, I think that the, for me anyways, in my mind, and this is probably just my limited film knowledge, but my go-to comparison here is Blue is the Warmest Color just because it's, you know, it's a lesbian drama. It's a drama about two women who fall in love. And one of them is uh, not necessarily knowing that she's gay, I suppose. I mean, or, or I guess you don't, that's not really explored that much in this film, but... Um, I don't know. I feel like the uh, the connection was very like honest and seemed real, and mm. uh, which I think is equally so in Blue's Warmest Color. I think this movie, what this movie has up on that film, is that a it's way shorter. B it's uh, I mean I think it's a little bit of a cheat, but it's a period piece, 
So it's automatically kind of got this beauty going for it where, you know, the, the, the costumes and this house yeah, that they're shooting yeah. at. And also the nature, like the, the cliffside walks and the beach side walks and all that. This is very, very good looking and it's shot extremely well. Mm. And I loved the, any, any time when, uh, the main character looked in the like the darkness and like the the light came on and it was like the ghostly figure yeah, of the that girl. was really good that shit's good and i love the story i think the story is really interesting like the idea that she's been hired to paint her a paint a portrait and that the girl doesn't want to sit for a portrait because of what it means she's going to have to get married to a man mm-hmm. that she doesn't you know doesn't care for or doesn't even know yeah that she's never even seen right yeah. and uh i love that i love that conceit in the uh, the initial conceit of i have to hang out with her and draw her on this like afterwards you know and i love all the scenes of her drawing and all the scenes of her painting and really really cool it just brings me back to all the instagrams i follow of comic book artists drawing in time lapse you know just like a whole movie of that (laughs) yeah yeah so super into it yeah but i i thought it was uh terrific and uh emotionally resonant and all the acting was quite good yes quite good i particularly like the um the maid girl. Yeah. I don't know her name. Sophie something? Or yeah, sure. Was, Sophie's her name in the movie. She um, was terrific, though, yeah. and I like the, uh, you know, that that kind of a side story can take away from things sometimes, and mm. I felt like it really, I don't know, it worked for this. It contributed more than it took away. Yeah, because that was like, uh, yeah. You want to talk about, like, one of the most interest, like interesting scenes in, like, all of cinema. Um, Jesus. That, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, it, the um, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it: the abortion scene, uh-huh. and who is and who is lying, and the like, the woman who's performing the abortion, her baby is holding the hand. Great of, stuff of the lady who's having the abortion. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, like happy you know, accident, probably. Maybe can't make the baby do things. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. But it definitely, definitely worked. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, Jerry, have something to say about this movie? It's like, nah, fuck this movie. Yeah, I think uh, I had one single issue during like the the majority of the movie. Uh, There's just like one scene of melodrama that I could have done without when Adele Hanel was like, "And now you would possess me," and they both got kind of upset. Um, and then I thought the movie ended uh, one scene too late. I think uh, I think if it had ended with her seeing the portrait oh, where yeah, Adele yeah. and Elle's holding the book and you can see the number 20 would have been a perfect ending. I love I, that. I don't dislike yeah, yeah. The, uh, the symphony scene. I just... just I thought the, the, the portrait was perfect. I thought that... I agree. The portrait was perfect. The number thing was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was so... That's such a good closer for it and i agree i was thinking mm. it was gonna stop there and when it went on to the symphony scene i didn't have a problem with the symphony scene but i agree it like takes away the power of that c- mm. the scene before it and then also this the i mean i don't want to call it it's just like masturbatory like this hanging on this image of this girl i felt like five minutes of it i mean i know it wasn't that long but it just felt so long i'm just like i don't understand yeah. i don't get the point of this shot like i understand it from the perspective of like i get you know she's staring at her okay I get it. I don't need to see it for that long to understand that, though. Well, that's that's also uh, that's the piece that she played for her on the little harpsichord. 
Oh, is it really? See, I didn't so even, like the, I didn't that, even that pick that up. Yeah, yeah. Like so emotionally like, resonant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even pick that's that like up. Yeah, like, like it zooms in, and like that's why, like you know, like she's crying as she's listening to it. But like, yeah, like at the end of it, I thought it would have been, it probably would have been better. Honestly, it probably would have been a five out of five if like she had like just like kind of like glanced over, like she knew she was being watched, mm-hmm. or like given some kind of like some kind of like knowing glance, like even if um. Even if the main character like didn't know, like, yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's still an amazing, amazing yeah, movie. A, so yeah, fantastic. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I downloaded uh, Water yeah, Lilies. I, just, I know that it, Jr. watched a bunch like, of like it's she just she had the she had the perfect ending. She had it right. It's too bad. Anyways, let's move on to our final our uh, deep dive. Throw Mama from the Train, directed by. Dan DeVito starring Bill Crystal and Dan DeVito and uh, the girl from Brazil. Kim Greased. Kim Greased and uh, Kate Mulgrew from yeah. uh, Orange is the New Black, who I didn't know was the wife in this movie, but mm-hmm. she is. She plays Red in Orange is the New Black. Yep. What did JR think? Since this is and his, his Anne fr- Ramsey. Oh, yeah. And Anne Ram- yeah sorry. Yeah, yes, of course. My bad. Anne Ramsey, the mama of the title who is the uh, Oscar nominee of this film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what would you, what did you think, JR, of Throw Mama from the Train? Uh, <laughs> throw me from this train. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is that real? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh my. I didn't love it. Didn't love it. Um, All right. Well, we'll see you later. <laughs> and, uh, wait, I, you know... It's uh, it kind of only it, like half-asses the uh, the setup of once an asshole. Um, it, it it's got like a predictable thing with like we knew Mulgrew. I knew Mulgrew was going to be alive, and then at the end, I knew Devito was going to be writing a book about the whole thing, while Billy Crystal was also about to finish a book about the whole thing. Um, I thought Anne Ramsey was just unbearable. I couldn't handle her thing. Uh, I just I really wish it had committed to to Crystal and Devito being just awful people. I I like the scene where Devito pulls out the quarters to show him stuff, but it's just like it 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 made him likable, and then we knew he wasn't a bad person. He's not a bad person. His mother is a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> well, c- continue. Okay, so I uh, said my piece. I I. Uh... I, I mean, I like this movie. I've liked this movie since I was a kid. My dad showed me this movie. So, I mean, obviously, there's like nostalgia playing into it. I can't deny that. Mm. Um, but I'll th- uh, this time around, having not seen it for probably 10 years, uh, I could say that the pacing rules, the sh- length rules, this is a very short, tight, easy-to-get-through movie. I think that it's not consistently funny. Uh, but when it is funny, they're pretty high high moments of humor uh for me like the scene when uh the scene when uh danny devito says uh, it's in the trailer where he says um you know just shake her around a lot when you talk to her yeah. how you doing mrs lift <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was really i've always liked that a lot um i like billy crystal's kind of smart ass angry you know put upon like he's like he hasn't got his fair shake in life you know mm. he's been fucked over by everybody yeah i like what? 
I like that a lot. I, I mean, I feel like it reminds me of uh, the the first scene in when Harry met Sally when he's just such an asshole, and that goes away after that scene, and that's why I don't like that movie as much. But like that first scene is so great when he's just a total dick, and uh, I think Billy Crystal plays a dick really well, and uh, he does so in this film. I I mean, obviously there are huge issues with the film uh, narratively, like the idea that. I mean, you can you can write off anything Danny DeVito does because he's clearly like got mental issues, right? Like he's yeah, been yeah. abused, and he's uh, you know this idea that he has to that because he saw a Hitchcock film, we're gonna crisscross, we're gonna kill kill each other's people. But the idea that Billy Crystal goes along with it is absolutely absurd, and there's no reason at all for him to do it. Like, there's no yeah, reason yeah. for him not to just say, "Okay, I'm gonna go to the police now." Like the idea that Danny DeVito says, "I'll just tell him you did it." It's like okay like <laughs> how is that gonna i mean it's, it's completely re- absurd you know to think yeah. that uh, he would be afraid of being uh i mean i obviously he has a motive and everything but you know there are mm. forensics and there are other things that go into you know, yeah. witness testimony things like that. but obviously it's not that kind of a movie it's just trying to get to a get to a, a humorous a comedic beat right yeah yeah and um i thought all the all the humor you know works fairly well i love the uh the writing class the 100 women I'd like to pork. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm it's sorry. a coffee table book. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. That's, I, love, I love how it starts with celebrities, and then it's like the girl in the, the taco, taco commercial. commercial. He's like so-and-so from 3B. <laughs> it's yeah. like random people that he knows. And then like later on, like, hey, uh, what's your name? Oh, Beth yeah. Ryan? Don't even think about it. Don't even. <laughs> yeah, just great. Just great. I really, I think, I find that very funny. And uh, you know that, I don't know if you guys noticed, this is the first time I noticed this movie's rated PG thirteen, mm. and uh, they edited. You know that they dubbed that. Like he said, "fuck" in the original. Yeah. Uh, well, that was track. one of the that was I one of the it. funny thing about watching this movie again. Like the first time I saw it was on Comedy Central, and it was like heavily edited. And so, like now, like when I watch like the DVD of it, it's like, oh, that's that's different. That's new. Like still, yeah. Because um, yeah, like I like taped it on my VCR from comedy central and I would watch it all the time. And yeah. So, um, but yes, cause like, I think like even comedy central, like changed, I want to say they changed it to boink. Oh, really? Change it from pork, even from pork to boink. Yeah. Cause like Same you can tell, thing with yeah, thing. you can tell he's saying fuck yeah. in, in the I actual, nev- I never noticed it though. And it's, I think it's because yeah, I've yeah. only seen it on VHS before this. Right, right. Like so it's probably like a less, you know, like you can't really know. You're not looking at their mouths as much because it's not as high yeah, def. Yeah. yeah, and I think like once I finally saw it on DVD, like I just accepted like, boink, okay, that's that's what he's saying and didn't give it a second thought. But like now watching it closer, like I can see like he's actually saying fuck. Uh, so, okay, my, my I, well, a couple of things that I found very, very funny from, from Ann Ramsey. When he calls Danny DeVito a lard ass, I thought that was really funny. Right. And then when, when he says that, when he calls, uh, when she calls Billy Crystal a black bastard. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't understand it, but it's very, very amusing. Um, I like when she says to uh, bury him in the yard before he stinks up the place. Whenever <laughs> she thinks that he's dead. My friend, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't understand the nature of the school that Billy Crystal teaches at because it's like it's, it's weird. Like, they're they're in like a cafeteria, but it's like nothing but like forty five year old people in there. I, I think it's like some kind of community college. It's just weird that all the people are like super adult, like they're not yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. kids at school. You know, it's right. strange. Um, I uh, 
love the line uh, when they're driving down the, they're like in the in the cracks and the brakes don't work. And it's just like a Flintstones car wash. <laughs> like all this. <laughs> You're a good driver, Larry. Yeah. Danny DeVito's a very, he's just very good. He's very likable. Yes. Uh, now, okay, that's, that's okay. Now, the, the thing I really want to talk about, though, is that this movie is very like, can, can you guys see the, the connection between this and the Tim Burton film? Doesn't this feel like a Tim Burton movie? Especially from the eighties, I, I definitely see what you're getting at. Like, and it feels like, and I was thinking about Danny DeVito as a director, and it feels like his mm. movies are like Tim Burton movies, and I can't figure out if he's copying Tim Burton or Tim Burton's copying him, or if they're both just in, influenced by the same shit, like German expressionism and things like that. Yeah, you yeah, know? it's 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 weird because like like thinking about this and like um uh the um come on, Kevin, <laughs> I'm trying. What what is it, Jar? The um Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, De- Death to Smoochie sure. and uh, but even Hoffa. I was thinking Hoffa, about Hoffa. That's yeah. it. Why couldn't I sure. think of fucking Hoffa? But I mean, the way that he the way that he uh, has like these set pieces and that he yeah, yeah, presents yeah. things, and uh, even in this movie, there's a shot where it moves from the classroom into Billy Crystal's apartment in yeah. one shot. Yeah, because I realized like um like I you know it didn't mean anything to me at the time but like I saw that like Barry Sonnenfeld is the exactly. is the DP exactly. on here. I was going to bring that up too cuz Barry Sonnenfeld's another guy who is like Tim Burton. Yeah, like yeah. those three like him and Danny DeVito and Tim Burton they share a lot of stylistic similarities I feel right. like. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um yeah, it's it, I guess it's just yeah, they're very much influenced by the same same things. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's probably just that. But um, anyways, that 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 was just uh, that was my my kind of big <laughs> takeaway. There's a lot of push-ins in this movie. Like mm. the camera's constantly pushing into characters on important moments. Yeah, when it pushes up onto the remote when he decides he can't yeah, ride anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I liked all the not like the uh, the the writer's block stuff. It's not particularly funny, but I thought it was interesting and in how he gets frustrated and the night was the night was. Yeah, it. yeah. I love I love. When Ann Ramsey says the night was sultry, and then he's, I'm going to go kill this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I read a bit of trivia. Apparently, like, like when he's saying, like, uh, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, apparently, the night was very sultry was, is like, from further along in right, right, A Tale right. of Two Cities. I've heard that too. So, yeah, I watched, yeah, yeah. I watched uh, all the special features on the Blu-ray and oh, okay. they talk about that and they talk about Anne Ramsey and how she did all her own stunts at the end. That's her hanging upside down and everything. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. But uh, she earned that Oscar nod, I guess, by doing all those stunts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, this, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I still enjoy it quite a bit. I, uh, I find it amusing. I really like the his like black friend who's in bed with that girl. And then yeah, he's like, he, Marsalis. And, and when, when, that, when, when his girl, <laughs> the girl who's in bed is like telling him that he could have gotten the flight on time. And he was, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, you're fucking yeah, guilty. That, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I love that scene with Rob Reiner. Oh, Bonnie, that, you're bending the fern. Too. Don't bend the fern. Yeah, he's, fluff it. Fluff it. He's really good in it too. I yeah. Enjoyed him. And, and like when he drops that absolute like bomb into the, into the exposition exposition, like, so you get the check from your wife and you dive into another excuse for not writing. It's like, Oh, like hmm. she didn't really quote unquote steal his book. He got paid off. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 
I like when he makes all the phone calls from the different pay phones. That was great. <laughs> That's good stuff too. And I, I love. I just it's like, it's, terrific. It's so, out it's, of his mind. It's so simple, <laughs> but it's so brilliant at the same time. Like well, I don't want to say over the phone. All I can say, tell you is I killed her last night. <laughs> yeah, all I want to say is I killed her last night. That's great. I love the scene with the cops too, where he's trying. To, he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, officer. Would you get me that sugar out of the, the pantry?" Pan- <laughs> I love all that stuff. He's yes. he's really good. Yeah. He's really, really good. Anyway, yeah. um I mean I'm fine. Ratings? I'm going four and a half. Okay, well I'm gonna I'm not quite that high on it. I do like it. I find it very, very amusing and it's very easy to watch. It's three and a half for me, but it's with a like, so I'm gonna give it the the the, the heart. Right. And a one from JR. Cool. JR, what do you give it? Two two point two five. Two point two five. That's uh Damn. That's all right. JR is uh his pick next week or two weeks from now. So, JR, lay it on us. What uh, do we have to watch? We're going uh, We're going modern. Okay. We're going to watch a uh, low-budget, uh, low-budget sci-fi, uh, you know, fun film, Coherence. I'm re-watching Buffy right now, and this stars uh, Xander himself, Nicholas Brendan. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let's do it. Coherence. <laughs> I don't even know if I know what this is. Mm. Coherence from 2013, directed by James Ward Beerkit. Yeah, and it's on Hulu. I checked. Now, okay. now, it's actually on Hulu, not with some add-in bullshit? Actually, yeah. Good, good. It's only 89 minutes. Just so to make sure it works. That's good. Cool, cool. Okay, well, uh, we'll be watching Coherence next time uh, from 2013, directed by James Ward Beerkit. Until then, uh, visit our website at filmyak.podient.co. If you have questions or comments, please email us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>